Welcome to the Faith Mama Mondays podcast. I'm Dominique. I'm Ryan. And I'm Janice. And we're just three mamas who love God. We're not perfect and we mess up. A lot. But we have been called to a mighty work. Motherhood. We're on this journey with you. Yes, it gets messy. There are days you might cry. But we're here to remind you, you are not alone. We're in this together. Faith Mama Mondays is a place where we can connect, laugh, and even cry together. It's a beautiful community. Motherhood brought us together. Christ holds us together. Welcome to Faith Mama Mondays. Hello, Faith Mamas. We are so excited that you have joined us today for another episode of Faith Mama Mondays. We are thrilled to have a special guest with us today, Miss Grandma Lee Brown. How are you doing today? I'm just fine, thank you. Just fine. How are you? I am wonderful, and I'm super excited that you are on the show with us today, and you're going to share your testimony about all of your life experiences and mothering, and we are so excited to talk with you. But before we do, I'm going to kick it over to my sister, Janice, to tell us about the Mom Life Roll Call. Oh, yes, the Mom Life Roll Call is always one of our favorite parts of the podcast in which we get an opportunity to share our moments we have as moms. And you know what? Ironically, every time I have the opportunity to do this, I'm experiencing a mom life moment right in the middle of mom life roll call. I mean, London is sitting here taking all of her clothes off. Sorry, that's explicit, but that's what's happening in my life right now. She's doing it for no reason. (laughs) For no apparent reason. She hasn't done this in weeks. I don't know, but we want you to share your stories. They may be stories that make you laugh. Some may make you cry. Some may make you wonder why. Or someone may actually make you say, Lord, help me. And Grandma Lee is amazing because guess what she just told me? Go ahead and call him because he will give you the help. So we have help this week, y'all, in Mom Life Roll Call. How about that? All right. All right. So let me ask you, ladies, do you all have any stories, any mom life moments that you want to share? So I have one. I actually, I thought about you today, Janice, when I was um, trying to find a, a quiet space to record today. And I tried to do it downstairs. Actually, you might hear some stuff in the background. I hope not. I tried to do it downstairs, and there was some noise. And then I went upstairs, and the kids were running around. And I said, I know. I will record this outside. And then outside, it sounds like a monsoon is happening, and cars are honking. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to go downstairs again. And all you hear, or I hear, you may not hear it, is like a stampede happening over my head. I don't know what my <laughs> kids are doing up there. I know that my husband is supposed to be up there keeping them safe. But I think a jungle <laughs> has just broke loose in my house. That's what it sounds like. So mom life. Mom life right now. Mom life. I could just hear like welcome to the jungle playing from the movie Lean on Me. I don't know, when you said that, it's just like you should have some theme music. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mom life, so, for real. I have a quick one from the weekend. And so you guys know it was Resurrection Weekend. And on 
I made Brooklyn an Easter basket, and I filled some of the eggs in her Easter basket with, like, M&M's. So she got a kick out of which ones had candy in them because she was, like, shaking them. And so she (laughs) shook one and, like, popped it open, and M&M's went, like, flying all over the floor. (laughs) So there's, like, literally M&M's, like, scattered all across the living room, and I'm trying to, like, hurry up and pick them up. And, like, just as fast as I'm trying to pick them up, she's, like, shoveling them into her mouth, like, twice as fast. And I'm just like, what are you doing? No. And I literally just had to stop and start laughing because the way I I really wish I had a video recorded, the way she was eating these, she was, like, Cookie Monster on, like, a thousand, like, trying to get these M&Ms into her mouth before I cleaned them up. (laughs) Oh, mom life. My son is now 60 years old, so I haven't had a mom life moment in many, many years. But um, the one that uh, Dominique referred to a few minutes ago, uh, I can tell you about that one because that was indeed a a mom life moment, Uh, even (laughs) even way back then. um, My parents had given my children a dog for Christmas one year. A dog was not what I needed in the house. I had a young son that I was trying to introduce to the, you know, mechanisms involved with potty training. I had a daughter who was having a problem trying to tie shoes and a husband who didn't know where to find his socks most of the time although they were in a particular cubby in the wardrobe thing the jig that he had. And so we had just moved in this ha- into our house, and it was, it was Christmas time, and we still had boxes and stuff that hadn't even been unpacked. And my, as I said, my parents bring this dog in the house. And I'm saying, you know, we need this like a hole in the head. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, we suffer, I suffer through this. Now I've got these three independent humans and an independent dog that I have to look after. But uh, (laughs) one of the things that that, uh, did happen was after Christmas it got to be a little chilly and, uh, well, it got to snowing at times and whatever. But anyway, I had to walk the dog this particular day. And uh, when I went out of the house, I mistakenly slammed the door. And I had always told my children, you know, like, you don't open the door for anyone. First of all, nobody's coming to visit you. You know, if they're ringing the bell, they're not not coming to see you. So you don't need to answer the door. Anyway, after I had taken the dog out and we walked around, dog finished his little business and thing it it really started to snow and I had just thrown on a little sweater so now I have to share this sweater with this little trembling dog and as I get closer to the house I realize that I had slammed the door and I'm looking in my pockets I don't find any keys well I get to the house and my children are standing at the windows on the sun porch and I'm telling them to, like, open the door 
And, of course, they have always had instructions not to open the door. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so they're just looking at me and waving and, you know, like, hello, Mommy. Hello, Mommy. <laughs> and, and you know, like, it's snowing harder. The poor little dog is, you know, really getting fretful. I'm getting soaked and cold. And, and we go around, I go around to the back of the house because in the, at the kitchen door, there was only a little slide lock, not a real, you know, lock that you needed a key for. So, of course, my children follow me around there because I'm telling them, I'm going around to the back, come around to the back. They get around to the back, and my daughter is not quite tall enough to reach the doorknob to, was really, you know, and it was a slide lock. But she didn't understand about pushing the slide lock back one way or the other. And I still got the waves and the, hello, mommy, hello, mommy. (laughs) When I got tired of that, I realized what I needed to do was I was going to have to break a basement window, which is what I did. And I carefully deposited the poor little doggy inside. And then (laughs) then I got inside, and we this left this put us in the basement and all I had to do was then you know walk up the stairs and I be into the kit into my kitchen but that was quite an ordeal that was quite an ordeal <laughs> you know I love there's a lot of reasons why I love that story but one of the reasons is that I realized that mom life moments it crosses generational barriers it's like every mom can be like Yes, absolutely, I understand. Like, don't bring me anything else that lives or breathes <laughs> or needs to be fed you know? or walked. I love mom life moments. They always crack me up and make me feel like, oh, everybody goes through something, and it's just part of mom life. So I'm just excited. Grandma, I am so excited that you are on here with us today. I'm excited that you are sharing your stories. I'm so excited that we are about to hear a testimony that many may not have heard directly from you. Um, I am just excited about it all. And I want to tell your age, but I'm, not, I'm going to ask you first. Can I tell your age? I don't mind at all. Amen. I am not ashamed at all. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm excited to tell you that um, Grandma is on here. She is on here as a faith mama. Um, she has mothered two generations and is now um, watching her great-grandchildren grow up, and she is 90 years old. Um, so I am just excited. I'm excited to hear about your testimony, and I'm excited that the whole Faith Mamas community is, can cross generational lines, and motherhood is motherhood. And we get, to learn from, we get to learn from each other. We get to hear the stories of those moms that went on before us. We get to hear the stories of the moms that are brand new um, and just started the journey. So I'm just excited. We get to hear the stories of the moms that are right in the middle. Uh, so this is just a really awesome community. And so I'm excited, Grandma, that you are on this podcast with us today. But I know that everybody is excited and ready to hear your testimony. So I won't even delay the point. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to go into as much detail as you can. My question is, tell us about the but God moment that changed your life or the testimony that just kind of changed your life? I had a daughter, and she is the mother of the grandchild that I am living with 
at this time. She was married and a member of the Air Force. She had been uh, a member of the Air Force for about seven years. And she was married to a man who her father and I thoroughly and completely um, did not approve of. We could see that he was not the kind of person she should take on as a mate for life. But there was nothing that we could do to dissuade her from marrying this guy. He had nothing in common with her in terms of how they were raised or whatever. My my children, like myself, were raised in the church. This guy didn't know anything about church. He didn't even really know who his his paternal his father was. He he never knew his father. He said, and he and his mother had lived a life where they stayed in an apartment and. I don't know if she must have worked and paid uh, rent as long as they could, and when they couldn't pay the rent anymore, then they moved again, and they were moving all over. They they were uh, living in Chicago. Anyway, as I said, my daughter happened to find him somewhere, and the end result was she decided that they needed to be married. Um... She had, oh, oh, well, at one, as I said, she was in the Air Force. He was dishonorably discharged from the service. That tells you also what kind of character he must have been. So he became her dependent, which, of course, we didn't like at all either. Anyway, uh, she was uh, stationed for supposedly for two for, for four years in in Japan and she had a child while they were there but the baby died about six, when it was 6 months old and she got sent back to the states and we live in lived in New York and she was stationed when she got back to the states in New Jersey which was just actually from door to door it was a 2 hour ride he had been, as I said, he had been dishonorably discharged, and while they were in Japan, he had carried on like such a fool that they had even got had to get rid of him, even though he was a dependent at that time. He had to leave Japan because of his conduct. And uh, so that when this baby died, he had to be notified. I've always said to myself, I don't know if I really would have done it or not, but I have always said that I would have never gotten in touch with him. But my daughter called Daddy Good Guy, and Daddy's little girl had to be, you know, satisfied, so he makes a call to Chicago. He manages to get a hold of the mother, and the mother says, well, if I see him, I'll give him the message. You know, okay. All right. Long story short, my daughter comes back from Japan. She's on uh, what they call humanitarian leave. This was like the middle of October. He comes from Chicago to the, to stay here, uh, to stay in New York 
with us. They were together with us for 11 weeks, at which time we could neither stand, we couldn't hardly stand one another at that point, and they had to leave. And it was fortunate enough, my daughter was fortunate enough to be able to get um, housing on the air base that she was stationed at in New Jersey, and that's where they went the week before Christmas that particular year. I was not aware, but I had family members and my son who has told me since then that they were aware of the fact that this man was abusive to my daughter. Uh, She never told me anything about any problems they were having. He still wasn't working. We knew he was still a bum. Uh, But I did not really, as I said, I didn't know that he was abusive to her. I spent one weekend with them. It was the president's weekend, and I had off from work because I think we, we were off that Monday. So I was there for the weekend, and I came home that Monday. I got home, and I called her back to let her know that I was, you know, had reached home okay. She had already received a notice from the Air Force that they were going to literally remove the husband. He, he was going to be literally removed from the air base. He could no longer stay there. That's how despicable a character he was. And apparently they had been having lots of problems uh, having to call the, the um, MPs or whatever to come to settle whatever problems they had. All of this I did not know at the time. Anyway, as I said, I got back home that Monday called her to let her know I was safe. I had gotten home safe. And for her to just be cool, not to make any waves, they were coming to take, literally put, remove him from the base on the on that Thursday. So just, you know, I said, just don't get into any kind of thing. And all right, you know, it'll all be over soon. That was Monday around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The next morning I went to work and... Uh, <laughs> Coincidentally, the bookkeeper, the social worker, and the director of the center all had daughters that were married to what we considered zeros. We we were all we would collaborate with one another and talk about the, the son and son-in-laws. Anyway, um, so they knew I had been away for the weekend at my daughter's, so they wanted to know how everything went. And I was telling them, "Oh well, he's supposed to be removed from the base on Thursday." At this point, one of my neighbors, who was a member of the center, sees me and tells me that, oh, Miss Brown, there's a whole lot of Army people all around your house. And I'm saying Army people. Oh, she says, yeah, they're all in your backyard and whatnot. and They've been ringing your doorbell, and they're looking for somebody in your house. So with this, I tell the director, well, let me, I only lived four blocks away from the center. I said, let me put my coat on and run around and see what's going on. I get outside in the parking lot, and I see this Air Force limousine pulling into the, into the lot because my neighbors all knew that this is where I worked. So apparently they had gotten information from this same neighbor that came to tell me that they were out there. Anyway... Um, I just stopped. They got out of the car, 
And I told them, I said, I believe you're looking for me. They said, yes. They, Are you Leatris Brown? And I said, yes. And then they wanted to come in and uh, speak to me. I had no idea. All I could think of was that my daughter had had an accident, but I'm saying she had all-state insurance, so why would the people from the Air Force be here? Why would Air Force, you know, captains and whatever, these guys had on all the brass all across their chest and whatnot. I don't remember what their uh, exact um, station was, but anyhow... um, I, I just kept thinking that she had an accident, and I couldn't believe what, you know, like, all stay. Why, why are these guys here? Because, you know, anyway, we go inside. We go in. They ask to, if there's some place we could, you know, be alone or whatever. So we go into the director's office. We close the doors and whatnot. They, some, one of them pulls out a paper and proceeds to read according to section something so, chapter so and so, whatever, under the laws of blah, blah, blah. We regretfully uh, wish to inform you of the death of your daughter. And she was a sergeant at that point, Sergeant Linda Donnelly. And and and. I'm just like death of my daughter. I just couldn't. I just couldn't fathom what was going on. And true enough, and they they had uh, acknowledged that the husband was responsible for her death because he even called them after he had killed her. He called the MPs and told them, "I just killed my wife." And it went on from there. Um, of course, we had to. When by the time I got back to my house, I just went home after that. And several of my neighbors were all out in the street. And my neighbor that lived right exactly next door to me, she was hysterical. And then I oh, but before I left the job, I uh, called my son. I knew that at that time he was taking a course at the New York State Institute of Technology, and uh, one of oh, the social worker got the number for me because I couldn't even I couldn't even I couldn't do it. She got the number of the of the uh, school for me. I call there, and some woman answers the phone and proceeds to tell me that she, I, I told them I needed to speak to Michael Brown. He was a student there. I did not know what room or what you know, class or whatever, but I knew that he was there. He tells me he takes a course at this at, at this place on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock, and this is where my son is. This woman was trying to tell me that, oh, well, sometimes students tell their parents or people that they're going to be, you know, come and they don't come, and, and then we can't give out this information, and I'm getting more and more hysterical. By now I'm screaming at this woman that I'm not trying to track down some stupid 17-year-old high school kid who wants to play hooky from school. My son was 30 years old at the time. I said, and if he tells me he's here in this building taking a course, he's in here. And then I could hear someone in the background telling this woman to give them the phone. Give me, this woman kept saying, give me the phone, give me the phone. And finally she gets on the phone and she tells me that uh, she will try to, she will find my son. My son finally comes to the phone, and all I say to him is, Michael, come home. But by the time he got got home, 
as I said, most of my neighbors were all out in the street and whatnot. By the time he got home, all the way from the city, we lived out in Queens at this time, which means he had to take two subway trains and a bus to get home. But by the time he got home, they were still milling around out in the streets. And so he knew by the time he got to the house with me that um, what had happened. And my husband at that time, he had left early in the morning to go into the city to check on his uh, retirement uh, qualifications. So he was with his job doing that, and there was no way for me to get in touch with him. So we just had to wait until he came home. But he got home about a half an hour after my son arrived home. And then after we got ourselves together, we... One, my neighbor, oh, we had we were having car trouble at that time, so we didn't even have a car. And my son and my husband were going to go uh, walk out to the avenue to get the to the car rental and rent a car. But my neighbor next door, who had two cars at the time, very kindly just said, "Here's my keys. Take the car. Stay. You know, do whatever you have to do." And so with that. We drove down to New Jersey, and uh, we went to the whatever office we had to go to. And after they talked with us for a little while, they mentioned the fact that the husband had called the police at 4 o'clock in the morning, and the baby, my granddaughter that I'm with here today, she was still asleep in her room, and... When the police got there and found that she was still sleeping, they had to. They found out that my daughter had uh, like the doctors' na- names and the phone numbers and whatnot, and the babysitters and just things that she thought was important. She had a list on the on her refrigerator. She had it. Those, those things list, listed, so uh, the police knew the. Uh, they knew where to take the baby. They called the woman that was the babysitter, woke her up in the middle of the morning, and told them that they would be bringing Shannon over to her, which is what they did. And after they finished uh, with us, telling, giving my husband and I all the information and telling us of all the things that we needed to follow through with and do, then they took us to the babysitter where Shannon was. And... Uh, the babysitter was a very lovely young woman. She had three children of her own, and of course, she was near hysteric. She was in hysterics also about the situation. But anyway, we finally got ourselves together, and Linda had a car, so um, I came home in the car with my. I came home in Linda's car with my son and my husband drove the neighbor's car with the baby back to New York and that's how come we got hold of that we got uh, custody of Shannon we had to a couple of years about a year later we had to go to court and all to get to become her legal guardians and everything but that's another story but this one was uh, this was this was what had happened we only had to make two calls, and I have never had so many people 
call me, talk to me, send me all kinds of messages and cards and things, people that I never even heard of. We got cards from people in overseas, like in Germany, from Hawaii, people that had known my daughter, people that, as I said, we never knew anything about. And somebody had took one of my uh, daughter's dear friends told us there were actually 42 cars that went behind my daughter's uh Curse, and there was uh, the, the the Air Force had also sent a, a busload of people up with the honor guard and all. They were in there with the, the honor guard was in in one of the buses, and forty two individual cars of people. That's how many people followed her to the cemetery. Yeah, wow. that's. Wow, that's amazing. And I also I think about, and I know you talk about this often, Grandma, the women that stayed in Shannon, her daughter's life, your granddaughter's life, even now, um, yep. speaks really highly of the impact that your daughter had on the lives of people that she was around. It seemed like she really had a big impact, and she she showed people real love. The, the only way you stick around like that um, to support someone's child after they're gone is if, if you felt love from that person. And to know she had, you know, all these people that she was able to pour love into is just so beautiful. Yes. For the ladies that are listening, my daughter had five friends from her early school days, one from kindergarten that goes back as far as kindergarten. They have had such an impact on my granddaughter's life. They immediately, immediately came to the rescue. And Rosalind and Cynthia, Rosalind thinks that she's Shannon's mother at this point in her life. (laughs) (laughs) Rosalind thinks she's Shannon's mother, you know. But... These five, there were five of my daughter's friends that really, really stuck by by, by by the family for years and years. And as I said, two of them right now are still very much involved with Shannon's life. And Shannon is 30 years old. But that's how much they felt about my daughter. And she was. She was really a very loving person. When I say she would literally take the shirt off her back and give to you, I mean that. That's exactly what she would do. And I can remember a couple of years back, Shannon called me to tell me about somebody that, one of her friends that was visiting her, and she had had a lot of problems. And something, somehow the young lady that was visiting her didn't have, enough money to get back to where she needed to go. And Shannon said, Grandma, all I had in the house was $3, but I gave it to her to put with what money she had to help her get back to where she had to go. Mm. And after I hung up, I found myself weeping because that is exactly the same thing her mother would have done. Mm. Her mother would have taken And Shannon said, this is all I had in the house was $3. She said, but I gave it to her, Grandma. 
And as I said, that's the kind of thing her mother would have done. Mm. And that is the kind of person her mother was. That has to bring your heart so much joy to see your granddaughter, to see your daughter and, and the essence of who she was in your granddaughter. That has to bring your heart so much joy and pride. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. Very much so. Very much so. Mm-hmm. You're quite right. And that's such a powerful story, Grandma. And, you know, the fact that you are here telling the story um, and you are here able to talk about the story, I know that there are women listening who may be in this situation or maybe a mom that has lost her daughter or her son or to some act of violence, and they may think that, you know, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to make it? And to hear you, Grandma, at 90 years old, telling the story, it's proof that you're going to make it, you know, that God's going to get you through this. Yeah. Grandma, I was just listening to your story, and, again, that was just amazing. And and um, I don't know if people remember who may have listened to an earlier podcast, but we've talked to Shannon before. We've interviewed her before, and she is amazing. She's an amazing mom and an yes, amazing woman. Yes, and is. to hear what she's come from, it's no wonder she's so awesome. You know, I'm so excited just to, just hearing all this, you like, nothing stops God's plan. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. but my question for you, <laughs> my question for you is, if there's any scripture that you can think of that comes to mind that you, you know, that really has carried you through, what scripture would that be? Well, I I really like, something from the Psalms. I've, mm-hmm. I've, tried to, I've tried to keep this in the forefront of my mind. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, for he will carry you through. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to remember, mm-hmm. to wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Mm. And he will carry you through. Mm. Mm. Amen. Wow. That is so good. Mm, mm, mm. So final final question for you, Grandma Lee. Um, what encouragement would you give to a mom that is going through a difficult season in her life right now? What would you say to her? I would I would I would strongly recommend that if she finds herself in any kind of situation that is harmful to her or her child or children in any way, do not, do not tolerate it. Do not remain in that situation. Find a way to get out of that situation, like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Grandma, I have a, a question for moms out there that have lost their children due to domestic violence. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a mom listening has lost their child a week ago or a month ago or maybe mm-hmm. yesterday to domestic violence. What encouragement would you give to that mom um, that's trying to figure out how to go on? Well, first of all, you know, you you have to go on. You can't give up. 
You can't, and especially if you have other children. I, I don't know, you know, if, if the situation is such that it was just one child that, that that a mom may have had that was having had that has had this kind of of situation in their lives. But you know, if you've got other children, you you've got you know you've got to go on. Um, you've got to keep going. But you know, you know where your strength comes from. Your strength comes from the Lord. And you have to keep, you have to remember that. And you have to keep, you know, believing. You have to keep believing that that God that God's got your back. But you've got to keep, you've got to keep praising Him for all of the blessings that He sends to you in the meantime, because there are blessings out of out of and and always out of something bad comes something good. Always, mm. and and I think you have to kind of remember that and look forward to the something good, even though things are are bad. Yeah. You have to trust and believe, trust and obey. Yeah, I think that's advice that goes for anyone. Like, no matter what your circumstance or your storm or your situation that you're going through right now, um, it may feel like, how in the world am I going to? go on and I'm excited I'm excited to re-listen to this podcast because it's evident that as long as there's breath in your body keep moving yeah um, and, you, you can't and give God up. yeah and you just showed us grandma like God will turn the most difficult situation around um, and bring good from it mm-hmm. and I look at like you I look at Shannon, those of you that know me um, know that Shannon is my best friend, and I look at her and the love that she has for people and how that came from you and that how that came from her mother as well and, you know, how she has this amazing relationship with you as her grandmother. A lot of people don't even have a relationship with their grandparents, and she has a beautiful one so much so that you now live, she now has brought you to live with her because she loves you that much. And um, if you guys have ever seen Shannon interact with her grandma, you know she's like, you got to eat this, you got to eat right, grandma. I'm trying to have you around forever. <laughs> like, And I really think <laughs> Shannon's like, Shannon is trying to make grandma live to 200. Like, I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way that Shannon carries on, she's like, oh, no, my grandma is living to 200. And it's just, um, it really is. It's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, relationship and what God was able to do out of something that was just such a difficult situation. And whatever your situation is that you're going through out there, if you're listening to this podcast, whatever your situation is, um, grandma did just do a great job of reminding us Keep moving, and you'll be shocked and surprised at the blessings that God will continue to pour out on you each and every day. Yeah, like Uh, I said, keep trusting and believe. mm -hmm. You have to keep. You have to. You have to believe. You can't give up. You Mm -hmm. can't give up. That's so good. Well, Grandma, as we get ready to close out, I was wondering, well, actually, before we close out, I want to say something really important that you kind of touched on, Grandma, when you gave the advice, like, get out. If you are in a situation like this, um, get out. And if you don't know how to get out and you are connected to Faith Mamas, please just put a message in the group or um, somewhere we have um, individuals that are advocates that can help you, that can um 
get, help you develop a plan that can help you get resources. A lot of times people are nervous or afraid to get out because they think, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my children? Um, mm-hmm. How are we going to live? How are we going to survive? But there are resources out there for you, um, and there are tons of advocates in the Faith Mamas group and we would love to connect you with those individuals, no matter where you are in the world, whether you're listening from Indonesia, whether you're listening from California, whether you're listening from Kenya, um, there are tons of resources for you. So just please reach out to the group. Um, and we will also, in the description box in this podcast, we will also put hotline information and other resources so that you can um, collect that information as well. Uh, So please know that there is a way of escape. God has provided a way of escape for you. Um, And this this podcast right here um, is is your push that the time is now and there are resources out there and God's got your back. Uh, So praise the Lord. This has been so awesome. Well, Grandma, if you would, could you pray us out of this? Could I read you a a prayer that I, I like? Yes, please do. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Dear God, silence my thought of confusion and anxiety. Silence my thoughts of grief, despair, hurt, and anger. When there is chaos and turmoil, turmoil, Shelter and protect me with your peace and loving, powerful presence. As I take this time to stop and pray, fill me with your peaceful presence. With each breath I take, I breathe in your peace that surpasses all understanding. I surrender my unrest to you so that I may receive peace. Help me to be a spark that ignites peace in others. Help me to see your face in the faces of the people around me. Give me courage and compassion to love one another when love seems like a risk. Teach us to listen to those that I disagree with to hear stories that make us uncomfortable. Heal the hatred in the world around me by healing our own hearts first. Amen. 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 Amen.